Thanks for tuning in to the Athletic Scholarship Corporation Radio Network. Heard worldwide on www.athleticscholarshipcorp.com. Your source for college recruiting help, training advice, motivation, and more from pro athletes, coaches, celebrities, and entrepreneurs worldwide. Athletic Scholarship Corporation found on the web at www.athleticscholarshipcorp.com and also the ASC uh, Sports Radio Network. Today I have a special guest, uh, NCAA D1 coach, Coach Pat Scary. And before we get started, Coach, uh, you know, welcome to the show. I appreciate your time. But I wanted to give a disclosure real quick that Coach is not in any way endorsing any type of product or service just for that NCAA compliance. Want to make sure we get everything covered now that we got the legals out of the way, Coach? How you doing? Great, happy to be here. Good, good. I know you're in travel. Uh, appreciate you calling in. Wanted to talk briefly. If you could give a little background on yourself as a former player, I know I read your bio and did a little research, um, and, and then obviously a little bit about the university you're at right now. Yeah, I just finished my my uh, fifth season here as a head coach at Towson University, and in Maryland and, uh, you know, thrilled to, to, to serve our wonderful university was certainly a place that's on the rise, not just in basketball and athletics, but out of our academics. So it's been, it's been really fun. Um, you know, I, I, I played at a small division three school, Tufts university and was a good, pretty good player there. Then I became an assistant coach there for three years in, in division three and got my, uh, got my master's and then spent the year at Stonehill college in Division Two, and then got a big break for me. I became a head coach when I was 26 years of age at Curry College, a small Division Three school uh, just on the outskirts of Boston. So I have a small college background, and then I kind of get into the uh, proverbial rat race. I spent two years as an assistant at Northeastern University back when they were in the America East, and then went down to the College of William & Mary for three years. And then from there, I got a big break working for... Uh, Tom Herring at the College of Charleston for two. Had two very good seasons there. And then I headed up to the University of Rhode Island, working for Jim Barron, and then over to Providence College with uh, a couple of the Keno Davis. And, uh, you know, my major break was going to Pittsburgh, working for, for Coach Dixon at Pitt before I ended up here at that at, at, at Towson. So, uh, you know, I traveled the, traveled the road a little bit. Uh, but, like I said, this is the longest I've been anywhere here at Towson. And, um we're hoping to be here a long time because we really feel like we're just starting to scratch the surface of what we can do here. That's a really nice, just for listeners that are in that demographic, we have an office right off of West Road in Towson, right uh, by the Jaguar dealership and the Range Rover and Lexus right down the street. You probably know the area very well, Coach. Um, That's a great car. They got nice cars in that place. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's a a nice office. Um, You know, great demographic, great it's still got a small town feel to it, but it's a, a, a major demographic with Baltimore there. Um, what is your your staple of your program? I know that um, in doing some research and, and, and dealings that you you know didn't have really a, a winning program when you walked in there. You kind of adopted a, a situation of maybe what 15 losing seasons and your first year you had one win. Is that correct? Yeah, we had a uh, get hired in the third longest sub 500 streak in the country in division one. And, um, 
we we got stuck in the middle. I, I was responsible for about half of it. Uh, NCAA record losing streak that, oh, that carried over two years, and uh, so sports can be humbling. And then obviously the next year we had uh, we set a record for the biggest single season turnaround in NCAA history. And you know, people ask how you do it. Well, there are no quick fixes. I think we've we've had good players and tried to help them get better by you know having good infrastructure and, and really good staffing. Um, you know, if you're talking technicalities, we we tried to pride ourselves on our defense and rebounding and having a high level level of competitiveness. That's something that, you know, toughness and competitiveness is something that we put a premium on every day. Well, and that leads into, um, obviously it's a culture, uh, you know, doing the basics. A lot of kids want to just step back and shoot the three ball and, and overlook some of the, the dirty work. Um, for example, I'm calling and doing this show from Cleveland, Ohio, downtown and, Tristan Thompson, those type of guys, and then the Cleveland, the NBA, that they're they're a premium now because it's hard to find people to do some of the dirty work, as you call it. But how do you change the culture? You've got you walk in, you, you know, you look at the first year you're there, everybody looks at you to be the savior, and and you stumble. How do you change that culture as a leader? Well, you know, it 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 it's, it's probably happened quicker for us than you know most people uh, can understand or appreciate. But it really was the you know, change habits, and, you know, I think, you know, we always said, you know, change habits, that'll develop a culture, and then you, then you build a program, and I think you change habits by developing routines. What you do on a daily basis, you know, going to class, lifting weights, pre-practice, the routine of practice, the treatments afterwards, and, and, and you know, once, once you start to change habits, then I think you start to see the, you know, that you start to see some results. So when you look at qualities in a recruiter or prospect, obviously basketball, you've got limitations of how many scholarships you can give out, and and dealing with a, uh, I don't want to say a smaller D one, just a, a you know, obviously there's the premier ones and that have a, a lot of funding and a lot of capital coming in. Um, but what do you look for in a prospect? Obviously it's competitive. A lot of kids are looking for opportunities to continue, and and what, what's a some of the defining qualities you look for in your recruits. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievably competitive recruiting, and you've got to spend time on it every day. Um, the better the player, the better the coach. But I, for us, it's it's ta- it's you know, we talk about talent because certainly you know we we all want talent. Um, we try to evaluate toughness and character, and character is probably the hardest thing, just because you don't know sometimes and until you have a, a, a student athlete every day on your campus and, and some adversity hits how they gonna how they gonna deal with that adversity academically or if things aren't going their way or you know, but it's part of us part of the growing process. And when you measure character, how does uh, social media with your staff tie into that? I know when in dealing and recruiting for twelve years now, social media is just a great tool to find out what you're really dealing with. Yeah, there's no question you check in and I I think there's also because, I mean, like you're dealing with, with young people and there's just a lot of stuff on social media. Just trying to educate as well. I mean, no one's, no one's perfect. Um, right, right. Trying, I, I think educating and, and student-athletes is something that's important, not just with social media, whether it's it's gambling, whether it's, you know, uh, academic responsibilities, time management, anything with, with women. I mean, all, all, all that stuff. We, we do a lot of programming with the guys in the summer and the fall all the time because it's, it's important for them. Yeah, and, and 
obviously the, the changes dynamically, obviously being a young coach at 26 and looking back in the late 90s, 2000 in your coaching career and looking at it now, what, what do you see major differences that really stick out to you? Well, I am such a great guy. I think certainly social media is one of them. And, and you know, for us in recruiting, just the emergence of um, grassroots basketball is, you know, it's, uh, you know, when you talk about Under Armour and Adidas and Nike, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a major factor in the, in the camps and the, the leagues and all the stuff that the kids play in. So you're, you're really condensed in trying to make uh, valuations into, into guys and do they fit your needs. Uh, you know, it's, you just it times your hamstrung a little bit, but you got to follow the NCAA guidelines. I think sometimes uh, flat transfer rates are high, is so maybe you don't have enough time to properly evaluate. And what, what's your take on on the NCAA? Do you think that um, there may need to be a change with with holding on to players? I think one of the toughest things as as coaches you guys deal with is the one and done mentality, um, and you may not as experienced as much as a, a Duke or a Kentucky, but What's your take on that, the, the one-and-done or some of the kids bypassing and just going to the NBA? Do you think they're needs Yeah, to I mean, personally, I think if guys have the opportunity to go straight to the pros out of high school, they should be allowed to do that. Um, mm-hmm. Well, we should look at them with more the football model where guys can stay, like, whatever, it's three years. Um, just because the reality is that, you know, first of all, if it was a talented position, we would stop them from making millions of dollars right away. And in all honesty, the, the talented student athlete that can go right to the pros is going to make more money than he would if he had a college degree. And we're not really getting those guys very close to a degree if they're only, they're only going to be eligible for a semester. So um, I, I, I don't. I, I think guys should be able to go to the pros if they want to, and they'll help enhance the minor league system. So uh, we're really in the business of trying to educate student athletes and get them as close to degrees as possible. Yeah, and I noticed that the some of the core GPAs and the averages went up under under your management. When you're looking at incoming either freshmen or you know true freshmen or transfers, how important is that academic you know scorecard to you and in, in, in looking at a prospect? Well, I mean we're, we're going to graduate another three guys this year, so like we're right now we're we're thirteenth to thirteenth graduating guys, and then we're going to have three straight years of perfect APR score. So it's it's a huge source of pride for us, especially because we inherited a. Uh, yeah, we inherited an academic train wreck here, and um, it, it's, a, it's a great source of pride. But it's also been a commitment uh, throughout our whole university. I think it's, you know, sometimes coaches are an easy target. You just blame the coach, where it's usually a lot more than that. But, uh, I mean, I, I think the big thing with us is we're trying to evaluate uh, someone's academic capability. It's also their, their want, you know, their family support, the people around them, you know, they're going to – take advantage of our, our, our resources and our learning center with our tutors and, you know, cause different guys need different levels of help in different types of classes, cause you get different ages, prerequisites. So it's, it's, uh, you know, some, some classes are more challenging than others for, for different, different student athletes. Yeah. And I, I noticed that, you know, a lot of coaches take heat, especially at the D one level that, you know, your salary and, and winning is everything. And I think it's furthest from the truth. And, and people that aren't really in the, the trenches don't deal with, you know, these young men that leave their home and you become like a, a, a secondary role model or even, a, you know, a second dad to these young men. You, can you touch base on that? Well, there's no better feeling when 
you can graduate a guy who's kind of, you know, bled for you every day in practice and on the court as an ambassador for your program and then knowing like that, you know, basketball might end for him, but he's he's got a real chance now to make it in life as a, as a productive member of society. That, that's why we do it. I mean, don't get me wrong. Our goal is to the job is to win games, but it, but but to graduate guys and see them become you know, productive members of society. And if I think if you do that, and those guys also become your best best recruiters, your best salesmen, because in this day and age, people are going to ask how his coach, he say what he he do, what he said he's going to do. You know, did they push us? Did they provide resources? All all those things. But then that is the best feeling watching seeing guys get their degree and and you know have a real shot to make lives for themselves is a pretty pretty cool feeling. Uh, it's about prioritizing, and obviously at the D1 level versus the D3 level, it's you know, as a coach you got to win or you're out. You're always, you know, don't tell me what you did last year. What are you going to do this year? Mentality. It's it's a high pressure job, and you've seemed to come uh, full circles, becoming an expert at balancing your home life and and uh, you know your family with with coaching, and that's that's a tough thing to do. Um, I also know you, you head up uh, an autism awareness. You want to talk about that initiative, which is special? Well, yeah, that's, you know, my, my youngest son, Owen, I have two sons, Ryan and Owen, my youngest son, Owen, is, is autistic. And so when we moved out to this area, and then my greater Baltimore area, we uh, started doing a couple of things with Autism Speaks, and I started wearing their, their blue puzzle pieces, pin, which is the most recognizable symbol or brand of, of, of autism. And, um, it was like people asked all the time, what games, what is that, and, and try to tell them. And then uh, our second year here, my wife and I had a little event on campus. We played North Carolina Wilmington, and um, people, a lot of, we, had, we had about 12, 13 different organizations in the area, and we have a great center for, Hudson Center for Adults with Autism on our campus. So we brought out, it went really well. We had a sorority that that's their philanthropy. So after they, when it kind of wound down, we're like, how can we make this bigger? better, and I contacted Tom Herrien, who at that time was the head coach of Marshall University, and then actually assistant at Georgia Tech, and their son Robert's also on the spectrum. We just came up with this brainstorm, and a Saturday in February, there were 31 national TV games between like Fox, CBS, ESPN, all those networks, NBC, and so we just reached out, true grassroots effort, asked all the coaches to Hot pins and mailed it to them, and they wore them. We got a whole bunch of great buzz out of it because of folks like yourself at the media. And then we lost a couple of years of Dr. Speaks, done it the whole weekend. We have a program, coaches powering forward through Dr. Speaks, where you know, it's a real source of pride uh, and excitement. You know, we can use this platform to bring some awareness to it. But we really owe the media and and all the great coaches out there, not just the ones on TV that are wearing it, because we had about 300 participants this year. That, that's amazing, and obviously you're going to keep working towards You have a, a passion right at home, and and you know it's great that you're doing that. And I, I know firsthand about the, the puzzle piece and, and you know the initiative and how much it's grown, which is special. I just wanted to bring that up to our listeners. Um, in, in closing here, a couple – I kind of call them behind the arc, the tough shots. And you, you did not get any of these questions ahead of time. So if you want to opt out, you can. I, obviously, we like to just have the dialogue and talk and, and not script this conversation. Um, what's one of the toughest things 
that you haven't uh, you've encountered as a player, either in high school or college? What's one of the toughest things you think you've had to deal with? Uh, I think two things: having a coaching change, one, and then coming off of like first time you got to come off an injury. Oh, okay. Now, as a coach, and it could be, you know, it doesn't have to be at this particular uh, stage, but just, you know, looking at your career, what's one of the things that you just say, wow, this is, this is tough? Well, you know, losing 31 games in a season was a fair 21 straight. I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm pretty confident saying I'll never have to experience that again. <laughs> I don't, and I don't wish that on anyone. <laughs> it's it's got to be tough but you know when you turn things around obviously you got to uh it's not a the arena's new you've got some new things and and it turned over some new stones so congratulations again on that um last things here best advice to parents that you could give in dealing with this recruiting process or their son um you know visiting college just this whole process and maybe it's not even about basketball maybe it's just picking a college what's your best advice that you can give being in this, well, I, this industry? I, I think, one, if it sounds too good to be true, it normally is. And I think, you know, parents and athletes got to be honest and realistic. Uh, and go go where you're, you're, you're needed, you know. Uh, so I think that's that way you have kids have the best experience in, in the truest sense of being stupid. Outside of that, what would be your best advice to, to the student-athlete well, I, I think, you know, for, for me in basketball, the guys that end up reaching their potential are the guys that listen to what you tell them. And, like, then I'll look at someone else outside of the coaches or the teammates and tell them how good they are or how many shots they should be getting uh, or academics on it. But it's the guys that are really able to buckle in and, and say, hey, this is what, you know, I, I want more minutes, I want more of this. This is what I'm being told. This is how i got to get there and, and buying into that. I think the guys that... I think part of the reason the transfer rate is so high in, in college basketball on the men's side is so that look at the social media sensationalized it. And uh, a lot of kids these days are, uh, you know, they're looking for that one voice that tells them how how good they really are as opposed to maybe the reality. And, and you know, no better point than being up late last night watching the Warriors versus uh, the uh, Portland Trailblazers and the starting backcourt. The Warriors with Davidson, Washington State, and Lehigh and Weber State for the um, Trailblazers. So not exactly household names, but certainly certainly great role models of guys that do a lot of work and, and be coachable. Yeah, and it, obviously there's there's talent even when you look at you know D1, D2, D3. There, there's talent everywhere you look, and and obviously that's one of the things you have to master and, and continually work on your craft trying to find the right individual that fits and, and aside from being a good basketball player just culture wise and chemistry with you as a coach and, and teammates it's crucial to the to winning obviously absolutely it's paramount all right coach why well, we appreciate your time greatly over here and some of the advice and tips that you have um, good luck in, in you know, the future here, and I'm sure we'll be in Thanks touch. for tuning in to the Athletic Scholarship Corporation Radio Network. Heard worldwide on www.athleticscholarshipcorp.com. Be sure to tune in next week for more college recruiting help, training advice, motivation, and more from pro athletes, coaches, celebrities, and entrepreneurs worldwide.